Good evening, Common Room. Welcome to this week's Sports Fix with me, Ben Cullen. Max Verstappen has won the first ever Miami Grand Prix. The Red Bull star survived the late race assault from title rival Charles Leclerc's Ferrari to win the race. Verstappen was cruising to an easy win after passing Leclerc early on, but a late safety car brought them together for a restart with 10 laps to go. Leclerc strained everything for five laps to get close enough to pass, but Verstappen broke his challenge. Verstappen's win cut Leclerc's championship lead to 19 points. It was a dramatic finish to a race that appeared to be fizzling out after Verstappen's early climb from third on the grid to the lead. The world champion passed the Ferrari of Carlos Sainz around the outside of Turn 1 and into Turn 2. He then chased down Leclerc before taking the lead at the start of the ninth lap. UFC 274 will live long in the memory. Charles Oliveira arrived in Phoenix, Arizona as the lightweight champion, but he's leaving the Valley of the Sun without the belt despite being victorious against Justin Gaethje. The champ didn't make weight by half a pound and was stripped of the title before the bout. He is now technically the number one contender despite being on a 10-fight win streak. This is the first time in UFC history a champion hasn't made weight. Rose Namajunas lost her strawweight title to Carla Esparza and Tony Ferguson was on the receiving end of a brutal knockout by Michael Chandler. The atmosphere in Phoenix was electric. We saw upsets, shocking moments and everything in between. Thorbjorn Olesen produced a sensational eagle birdie finish for the second day running to win the British Masters in astonishing fashion. Olesen led overnight by three, but struggled on the final day and was two off Sebastian Soderbergh's clubhouse lead of nine under after the 16th. Birdies for the day on the last two holes would have forced a playoff, but he went one better, putting from 28 feet to eagle the 17th and then from 35 feet on the 18th for an incredible win. It was the same finish he produced at the end of his third round and gave him his first win since 2018. We now welcome back Michael Campion to the show. He joins us via Zoom. I think people should go in with, with eyes wide open when they think about professional sport. I think I'm, I'm glad and I'm proud that I achieved some version of my dream. I achieved a version of my dream. I wanted to play for England. I wanted to play for, you know, in the, in the English Premier League. I ended up playing for Hong Kong and then the Hong Kong Premier League. Not bad. It's, 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 it's more That's than most, a, most young, young boys and girls could wish for. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting story. I've also, I, I want you to, to dig into your Whistler trip a little bit more because of, Nobody's telling anyone in Hong Kong, particularly when they're in school or even just out of university, to take a year off and, and see how you mm. think. But you've stayed yeah. in the best thing you ever did. So, yeah. Absolutely. Best thing I've ever done. Yeah, best thing I've ever done, I think, was was having that quarter-life crisis, as I put it, at the age of 25. Far better than having a midlife crisis when you're 50 and buying a Porsche and doing all of those things. So, I think the value of taking time away from your usual environment to learn a new skill, which for me was snowboarding, could be skiing, could be surfing, insert anything you want into that gap there. But taking that year off to really introspect and reflect on what I wanted, what I was good at, what mattered to me, I realized that I didn't need a lot to be happy, I think was the most valuable thing that I learned. I was working in a retail store, folding clothes, selling clothes, any spare time, I was up on the mountain. I think I snowboarded 75 days. 75 days in one season. So I've compressed essentially, you know, 20 years of ski holidays 
into into one winter. And it was the Winter Olympics, Vancouver 2010. Some people might remember that. Just an amazing experience. I lived in Whistler Village. I saw the, you know, that the horrible accident um, in, in the bobsled, I believe it was, right? People might remember that year. Um, but watching all the downhill events and it was just an incredible experience to to try and reformulate your identity and realize what's actually important because society will impress on you certain desires and beliefs and you have to sometimes realize that you've been imprinted and you haven't actually formulated these wants and desires for yourself which is why i got into investment banking right? i desired the status the prestige or the perceived prestige the financial accoutrements of everything that comes with that when actually it turns out i should have followed my original passion which was to play professional football and i did that and now it's something else and it will be something else again i'm in my late 30s now I'm sure I'll launch myself under, into a different project, a different challenge once again. I think I'm very comfortable reinventing myself and, and trying new projects. They don't scare me like they used to. Um, but you only get that bravery, you only get that um, confidence by throwing yourself into untested challenges and new, new uncharted territories over and over again and realizing, hey, yeah, I can survive, I can do well. Brilliant. I've got, I've got two questions that I'm going to ask them both before I forget both of them. <laughs> Go. The first one is, how come you ended up going to Whistler and doing snowboarding out of all the things you could mm -hmm. have done? And then secondly, the reinventing yourself, do you think that is now what keeps you, like that is what excites you, is trying something new and trying to tick off mm -hmm. something else? Is that your oxygen? Great question. Um, number one, why did I choose Whistler and snowboarding? I think growing up in a, in a subtropical country, and again, we weren't incredibly wealthy, we were comfortable, but I didn't go on ski holidays every year. I'd never set foot on a snowboard or a ski, and I just wanted to try and learn a new skill. And I think I asked some people, where was the best place on earth? A lot of them said Whistler, and that was enough data points for me. So off I went, <laughs> it was really that simple. And then number two, the kind of desire to reinvent myself and to take on new challenges. I think that that's everyone's oxygen, or at least it should be, right? Is to always try and struggle uphill. It's the struggling uphill that, that gives you meaning and excitement. And I think if I'm to try and draw a, a thread through everything that I've done, all of the random careers and, and things that I've worked on, it's always the common thread is putting myself in the arena, right? Whether it's a stadium of 25,000 people, whether it's being on stage as an MC and a speaker at a charity dinner, which is of course how, how you and I first came across one another, whether it's being on a podcast with someone better than me, whether it's starting a new business. I like the feeling of knowing that con there will be consequences if I, if I mess it up. I like, I like the fact that I'm living and dying by the sword. I find that invigorating. And a corporate nine to five doesn't really scratch that itch. That's not to say that there aren't great corporate jobs out there. There are. I just haven't found one yet that, that, that fits just right for me. I don't think one will ever fit after the, the path. <laughs> Maybe not. I've, I've kind of made my, I've made myself utterly employable, unemployable by a, by a large corporate, unfortunately. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a knife that cuts both ways. <laughs> Let's talk about your time playing for the national team. That must have been a big occasion for yourself and for your family and friends. You played yeah. play twice? 
twice. Yeah, two caps, more than one, less than three. Not a huge amount. No, no. <laughs> That's irrelevant for my question. What, what was the experience yeah. like on, on, on each occasion? Um, I'll focus on the positives. Unbelievably proud. Unbelievably proud. I think the, it's the culmination of everything that you, you've been working towards. There is no greater honor than than being in the top 11 men or women representing your your country, right? You can't really go any higher. So I was immensely proud to pull on a shirt, even though I'm you know half British, half Filipino. I was born and raised in Hong Kong. So yeah. I was very, very proud to do that. Played once in Hong Kong um, and once in China uh, in the Interport Cup. And the one in the Interport Cup uh, over in Guangdong was the one that really stays with me, running out in front of 25,000 people all rooting against you actually made it better. You know, they were so loud that to this day, I can remember standing in the tunnel with the captain just about to walk out. I'm just thinking to myself, this is, this is crazy because we, when we were warming up on the pitch, you could not hear each other speak. So, you know, you're doing your little warm up drills, doing little possession games and you're shouting man on to the person that he's five yards away from you. He can't hear you. It's that loud. And I've never experienced that before or since. And I'll always remember that. I'll always remember that wall of noise. Just pretty special. That's yeah. incredible. That's a lot of people, yeah. 25,000. It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm sure they were being um, being strongly encouraged to chant um, against us. <laughs> but, uh, it was great. It was great. You know, uh, makes it more enjoyable. I think that's sport, but never mind football. Football's another level of we're not cheering for you. Yeah, it's very tribal. Yeah, very, very tribal. Yeah. yeah. Michael, thank you for everything you've shared so far, but we do like to offer some perhaps more specific advice for the younger audience. I'm not sure how to, to phrase the question because you've already offered so much advice. Um, you've got two young children, so perhaps I'll frame it this way. When they get to 13, 14, 18, 20, what will you encourage or share with them for, for their path and um what they want and what they perceive to want yeah fantastic question i think i'm always a little bit reluctant when it comes to offering life advice because there is survivorship bias right and what works for one person doesn't work for everyone but i think in terms of principles that work people get rewarded in public for what they practice in private to get rewarded in public for what they practice in private what does that mean when i was eight nine ten years old growing up in hong kong i was not the best footballer on my team. I was one of the best, but I don't think I stood out as special in any particular way. But what I did do more than anyone else was practice when no one was looking. I was obsessed, completely obsessed with football. I carried a ball every single day. I played before school, during school, after school. I practiced free kicks until it got too dark for me to see. So when people see, you know, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo on TV, they only see the final rep. They see the final repetition. They don't see the thousands of hours of practice when nobody's looking. Every great athlete, every great speaker, every great entrepreneur does these things in private when no one's watching. That's where greatness is built. So I think I try and imprint on them the fact that their abilities are not fixed and they might not be great yet, right? The power is in the word yet. So uh, talent is merely practice in disguise, I think is, is probably the best advice I can give. Fantastic. Nice, nice, short um, uh, and strong 
advice to finish the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your unconventional football story and also for being so honest with perhaps how you would have done it differently, but also how you're completely okay with that now. And I think that's that's the most important thing, right? So good luck for, for the rest of, of your ever-changing career and whatever <laughs> challenge you set yourself. And I'll be here watching along. Thank you so much, Ben. A uh, real privilege to be invited. Thank you for your time. Hong Kong, are you ready? This is the hottest ticket in the world right now. This weekend, one of the great footballing spectacles is taking place. Saturday 14 is the FA Cup final at Wembley. Liverpool will play Man City in front of 90,000 footballing fans. And that is my hottest ticket in the world this week. Have a great weekend and I'll see you for your sports fix next week. Do show Ben all the support tomorrow on All Being Well as I take a break and Louisa Tam will be stepping in. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock on RTHK Radio 3 and on RTHK TV 31. Common Room with Alison Howe. Common Room with Alison Howe.